Hello and welcome or welcome back to Hey Alexa, Am I Dying? A podcast about different diseases and how they affect the human body. Today I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break from the mental health series and I'm going to switch my focus a little bit. Recently in Canada, we just had our National Day of Truth and Reconciliation on September 30th to acknowledge the harms done to Indigenous people on this land and work on moving forward in a positive direction to improve the quality of life for Indigenous people in Canada. Today, I wanted to dive deeper into the healthcare system that impacts them, specifically that on such as reserves and other communities with a high population of Indigenous people. Today, I'm going to be speaking with somebody from an organization called the We Matter Campaign, and they're going to talk a little bit about their experiences needing to deal with the healthcare system as an Indigenous person and how it might differ from somebody else. This episode structure is going to be a little bit different today, um, and the interview will be later on in the episode, as always. In order to go forward with the idea of inequality with healthcare in Canada, we need to go back a little bit. The federal government passed the Medical Care Act in 1966, and the purpose of it was for the government to be able to reimburse or cost share one half of provincial and territorial costs for medical services that are provided by a doctor outside hospitals. Soon enough, all of the provinces and territories have the Universal Physician Services Insurance Plans. The purpose of this healthcare system was to protect, promote, and restore the physical and mental well-being of residents of Canada and to facilitate reasonable access to health services without financial or other barriers, as said by the federal government. You'll soon see why this was actually not the case for some people and the reason for the existing glaring inequalities of the system. In my very first episode, I mentioned how Indigenous people are more likely to be at risk for heart disease. This not only applies to heart disease, but also a wide range of different conditions. In Canada, Indigenous people have been, and still are, subject to systemic racism and prejudices. Access to healthcare is not widespread for them, and poverty rates are especially high in Indigenous communities. There is evidently an issue of changing the system, and the lack of funding, which I will get to later on, and residential schools harmed so many people across Canada and those families and communities have been trying to heal ever since. That generational trauma has snowballed into things like poverty, poor quality of life, and health. Rates of food insecurity are much higher in Indigenous communities, which leads to people being malnourished. Growing up, Indigenous children have a 40% chance of living below the poverty line. Poverty, health, living conditions, and all of these things can eventually lead to chronic illness. Another very big aspect that affects our health is water. We all need water to stay alive and healthy and should all have access to it. Unfortunately, First Nations reserves still do not have the proper clean drinking water that they need. This has been an ongoing issue in Canada for a few years and the water in these reserves can have E. coli, toxic heavy metals, parasites, and or bacteria. Drinking unclean water can result in many negative effects on the human body, but the main ones being skin disease or gastrointestinal issues. 
This problem can even be pushed back to the time the French and British settlers arrived and purposely pushed out First Nations communities into areas with inadequate water supply and access. This issue has been undergoing a lot of scrutiny by the public, but the federal government has promised to provide more funding to improve the maintenance and health of the water. Now hopefully they just see that plan through. I now want to tell a story about a young boy named Jordan. Jordan passed away in 2005 in a hospital in Canada because the provincial government does not cover health care of people who live on reserves. Because normally, if you live in Canada, you know that the provincial government is the one who controls um, health care for the public, but not in this case. Um, and Jordan had to wait in the hospital after his treatment because the provincial and federal government couldn't decide on who to pay the bill. Because usually the federal government provides resources to people on reserves, but in this case it was an issue of who has to cover this money. And Jordan ended up passing away because the bill never got paid and he had to wait in the hospital. This is called Jordan's Principle, and it's one of the calls to action in... And the goal of the Jordan's Principle movement is to put the child first and make sure First Nations children in Canada have proper access to public services. I think this was important to mention in this episode, and I recommend checking out this organization called the First Nations Child and Family Caring Society as to how to support this cause. The link to their website will be in the episode show notes. With all of this being said, how can we help Indigenous communities in Canada to have a better quality of life? This is a very complex issue, and there are many different ways that we can, but the biggest one is using our voices. Educating ourselves on the topic and educating others will spread awareness and provide more people information they need in order to be more aware of the situation. Using our vote and making sure to elect candidates that fight for Indigenous equality in this country is also very important. But know that even managing to do this won't have a direct result of equality for Indigenous communities, unfortunately. You can also donate, volunteer, and support the Indigenous communities by listening to the experiences they've acquired in their lives. And all of these things can have valuable and positive impacts to slowly achieve that goal of quality of life in general. As I mentioned before, I spoke with a representative from the We Matter campaign, which is an organization in Canada that spreads awareness about issues facing Indigenous communities. I spoke with Linnea and she has first-hand experience with the healthcare system being a person with Indigenous backgrounds, which was exactly what I wanted for the interview to make sure that it was authentic and real. And I'm really excited for you to listen to it. Enjoy. I'm also good. Thank you for asking. Oh, that's great to know. Yeah, thank you so much for being here and for taking the time out of your day to share your insights with me. I really do appreciate it. Absolutely. <laughs> um, before we begin, like, would you just be able to give a brief introduction? To myself? Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. So my name is Linnea Dick. I am an indigenous woman. I come from the Niska, Simshian, and Kukwakiwak tribes. Um, I work for the not-for-profit We Matter, which is a mental health organization, but I'm also very passionate about art and public speaking and storytelling and many other things so i have a lot of like passion projects that i do on the side i'm also currently a cancer patient um fighting stage three cancer that has metastasized to my lungs so that's a huge part of who i am now it's become um, a big part of my journey and my identity and has really shaped who I am recently, especially. Yeah, well, I'm sure that um, being a cancer patient, you have had many experiences being in the healthcare system and having a really uh, in-person experience with that. So how has your personal experience as an Indigenous person been in the Canadian healthcare system, would you say, so far? I think some of my earliest experiences were um, really shaped the way that I saw the system overall. So when I was a child, I experienced night terrors and my aunt brought me to the doctor and the doctor said, oh, she'll grow out of it and didn't really offer any other support. When I was a teenager, I went to the doctors for something unrelated um, to depression but what happened was he asked me how I was doing and I started bawling in his office and before asking me any other questions he prescribed some pills for me and I think that as an Indigenous person that's very different than how we view wellness and how we take care of ourselves and our communities and so that has always been a challenge for me. I experienced a lot of trauma while supporting my dad when he was in the hospital for about six weeks before he passed away, which by time I got my diagnosis, it had been, I think, five years since he passed. And that made it really difficult because as a cancer patient, you are required to do a lot of lab tests, say a lot of scans, you have appointments frequently. And so in the beginning, it really felt uncomfortable for me as if I was going along with a system that I didn't believe in or understand and that I was actually quite afraid of. I have learned to be courageous through that, but I find that the medical system for me can feel a bit traumatizing simply for the fact that it goes against my traditional beliefs about what wellness and taking care of our bodies means. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm, in, I'm still in high school and I know that in my, like my history class, we often talk about how um, in Indigenous cultures have a much more natural way of viewing medicine and viewing even science in general and um i don't know if you've read this book called braiding sweetgrass um not yet but there's uh 
we have uh, little book clubs in my in my class and there's a group uh, reading reading sweetgrass and i overheard them talking about how we can uh combine indigenous sciences and um the sciences that we have currently in the western world to fight things like climate change because it's better to have more resources than just one absolutely yeah um another thing i wanted to ask was how would you describe the healthcare system in canada generally which problems are mm. evident to you i think one of the biggest challenges is the lack of support where i feel that judgments get made rather than questions asked say if someone comes in and is behaving erratically they might be seen as a problem rather than seen as someone who needs support and the second thing is the wait times I don't know how other people experience those wait times but for me I'm someone who has struggled with anxiety my whole life and the thing that really helps with anxiety is having answers and sometimes those answers can take months to get it took me several months to even get a diagnosis for cancer so for that time I was wondering what is going on with my body. I was scared because I could tell something was wrong, but I wasn't being given those answers from the medical system. I also would say that in terms of the way that children receive that medical care in hospitals specifically can be perhaps like harmful to them. And, and similar concerns that I've mentioned before with your last question that apply to everyone, but also like with the wait times for a young person who's only two or six or ten to have to sit there for six hours or more, knowing that their mother is scared or their parent knows something is concerning them. is probably really scary for the child as well and i in some ways don't know how this would look but i feel like the way the medical system views taking care of children needs to change so that they're prioritized differently i absolutely agree um earlier on in this episode i mentioned um jordan's principle at call to action it's one of the calls to action and um how that young boy was had to wait in the hospital and didn't make it out because the government couldn't decide uh who gets to pay the bill so like that automatically came to my mind when you mentioned that so speaking on that why do you believe that it's important to incorporate indigenous voices into the conversation when we're talking about things such as public services and necessities that everyone should be able to access Well apart from obviously they would be able to provide better care to indigenous people if they had indigenous voices representing and making decisions behind the scene um aside from that I think that indigenous people do have a very unique perspective and understanding and it uh, we matter we use the terms um our whole self which is our heart body mind and spirit and i truly believe that all of these things are required to be in balance in order for us to heal it is extremely hard scientifically to heal when we're stressed out and our body has too many stress hormones in it that lowers our immune system or 
what we believe can greatly impact how we're willing to take care of ourselves and so our mind is connected to that spiritually i think that spirit can be a really great source of hope for people um or a source of faith a source of belief for people and that's really important and so i think that that's something that's really missing is that understanding of the whole self um but even further than that i think indigenous people have a really creative outlook and so in our own communities we see things like on the land learning and intergenerational learning where we have young ones working with elders or we have teens leading some kind of project in their community I think that that unique kind of sense of trying different things and bringing in that creativity to understanding how we can heal is really important because often the medical system gives you one way it's a pill or it's a treatment and if you decide to decline that it's almost like as if it's shameful to do that within the medical system like I have personally felt shamed for declining care which I felt that I could provide better for myself at home say with um, I've always had an iron deficiency so rather than take the iron pills I would rather go home and work on my diet because in the long term that's what's actually going to help me and I learn a lot from indigenous young people they are the ones that teach me a lot about healing um just by because they're so young they have that creative spirit a little bit easier because they're less jaded i feel and so they're willing to try different things that feel good for them and that really teaches me how to embrace that that there isn't just one way of healing that sometimes we do have to try different things and that's okay yeah i absolutely agree and i think that um almost like the model of uh mind body soul spirit interconnectivity has been shown more especially in my generation like i think that i've grown up seeing that a little bit more than some other generations shifting a little bit more to we matter and the organization itself so what does it do to advocate for indigenous voices uh who wish to use these services who wish to better their mental health um think yeah i think that would be the biggest area in which we could be advocates is for mental health because mental health is life-saving care and i think that's something that can be missing from our current medical system is that it doesn't recognize that and so for us it's about bringing balance to those things since we don't work in the medical system it's about how can we provide youth with what they're not already getting whether it be what they're not getting from the medical system or maybe it's what they're not getting from school and um, we've always tried to fill that gap but me knowing that my fear of the medical system is what prevented me from getting care for a long time I understand that for us to to really support them in their mental health can make it easier for them when they do need to partake in those journeys that can be a little bit more triggering or traumatizing for them such as navigating the medical system but the other way is by creating a lot of space for them to use their own voices and so 
a lot of the youth we work with share with us their areas in which they could see um, be improved and we always try to create a platform for them to be heard so when youth come to gatherings and they share their experiences sometimes they do share those experiences about things that they've seen their grandparents or parents go through in the medical system or their own experience that they themselves have faced um, and just giving them that ability not only to release that story and release those emotions that may be attached to that story it also gives other youth who may be present in those moments the understanding that they're not alone in what they're experiencing which can also make it a bit easier for them the next time they go in to the doctors or something happens to understand that they can talk to someone that they have a voice and that they are allowed to advocate for themselves that courage and having the courage to speak up about something that's scary to talk about it takes everything inside of you and so last question I have for you is how can listeners if anybody's listening and wants to help out or is interested um, what are some things they can do so with we matter you can definitely hop on over to our social medias follow us see what's up we are always doing different things um, but simply sharing a post with your community can make a huge difference if you want to support indigenous youth in advocacy when it comes to medical court or in other areas that they may want to advocate for. It doesn't just have to be within the medical system that you can get youth together and have them talk and have them share. I think sometimes the youth voice can really be missing from the community voice, but if you've ever questioned whether or not youth would have a meaningful impact on conversations i'm telling you now they do and they'll always surprise you with what they know and they'll always surprise you with their problem solving given the chance um, the second thing is just don't give up on them i know that sometimes when communities first start creating those circles or first start asking youth those questions they can be really scared to answer they can be quiet they could even be maybe too cool to show up and participate but consistency is what's going to make it easier for those youth to feel safe and if you can provide youth with that safe space to express themselves they're going to feel more comfortable advocating for things like mental health and advocating for better medical care so in the long term it will also um, benefit your community and benefit the changes that we all really hope for in this system Thank you so much for your beautiful answers and your amazing insight. I'm very grateful um, that you uh, accepted this opportunity. And just let me ask you a few questions. So thank you so, so much. I really Thank you so much for the invitation. I hope you have a great day. And I hope that this organization goes far. And I hope that you go far as well. So. Oh, thank you so much. Have a good day. You too. Thank you.
And that was all I had for you today. Thank you so much to Linnea for giving insight from your experiences that you've had throughout your life. I definitely learned a lot today and I hope that listeners did as well. As always, you can follow this podcast on Instagram at underscore H-A-A-I-D and on Twitter at underscore H-A-A-I-D podcast. I put some websites that you could donate to in the episode show notes. I'm really proud of this episode and it did take a lot of work. Um, And that's why I was a little bit late, but it was definitely worth it. And I hope that it was worth the wait because I loved making it and I learned so much throughout the process. Have a great day, night, or whenever you're listening to this, and I'll see you in a month.